Welcome to the Arena Deckless Podcast. I'm Jerry Thompson, joined as always by Brian Gottlieb. And I guess this is going to be our very, very special SCG Con episode. It's not for another week or so, but we're going to get standard and modern out of the way because, you know, the real life events for folks going, there's a little bit of preparation that needs to happen. And next week is the historic PTQ. And I feel like we can just talk about some decks for that tournament without people really needing, you know, the extra time to prepare. Right. Turns out you actually have to get cards delivered to you. Okay. And I have have seen people all over the internets complaining about the process of having to like have the cards on hand again. Well, uh, obviously you can order from starcitygames.com and have like a pickup order selected, but fine choice. I'm I'm looking at at some of the prices of these cards, man. It's a lot. It's a lot, Gerald. It's it's awkward. Yeah. Uh, I think we were kind of used to at least in our sphere, right? The the aspiring competitive player sphere, like the, the prices weren't too terrible if you were trying to, you know, have standard cards on hand for whatever reason. And I think with some of these tournaments returning, things are kind of getting out of control. And I thought, I, th- I think at some point, Goldspan Dragon was like 40 or whatever. And then I was, I was talking to our friend Jay and mentioned offhand that there are going to be like 60 on site or whatever. And it's like, they're, they're 60 now. Wow. That's, that's steep. And, you know, you mentioned the way our circle used to deal with this stuff. It's not only the fact that prices were more under control, the infrastructure was just way better. So you had someone you could borrow stuff from all the time because there were a bunch of people who were incentivized to have complete standard collections, myself included. Like if you needed cards, I would be happy to lend them out. And that's not something I do anymore. I think it's something a lot of people don't do anymore. And maybe it's in the process of starting back up. That's not really the vibe I get. It's more like, oh, I'm buying a standard deck because I want to play this event and then I'm done with it and get it out of my hands and I never want to see it again. But all that liquidity is harder now too because there just aren't weekly events to show up at and kind of trade your deck for something else and cycle it over. You know, many people played the game that way. Uh, I never loved doing things like that because you often lost so much value in the transfer of deck to deck to deck. So I tried to just sort of have everything. And then the way magic has worked out, fortunately, stuff is just appreciated over time. And it's almost almost always worked out in my favor. But things are weird now. And I don't know if that still holds or how you're supposed to be approaching things. So you have to figure that one out. And if you just don't want to spend $60 on gold span dragons, I don't blame you. I don't I don't want to spend $60 on gold span dragons. That's it's kind of silly. Like they're only in standard. Well, I, I think it's a, a pretty fun card for any sort of casual format so yeah there, there is that i, I, I don't and i don't want to discredit that driving a price because we know it does yeah it, it absolutely, does, absolutely does and maybe goldspan dragon stays 60 dollars after it's done in standard 60 is a lot i don't know that it's going to command that but you're going to retain some amount of the value all this stuff is just complete fodder for reprints too that's the whole thing that goes with it is given that's the way true. policy works presently uh at some point there will be a wealth of gold span dragons in existence. And maybe that's 
six or seven years from now. But I think at some point the demand will be satisfied unless you keep getting the exponential growth that Magic has gotten year over year. That's the thing is that none of these reprints have ever mattered over the period of like post masters, I would say. Uh, And that's because the player base keeps growing and growing and growing and growing. And there's such a huge appetite for these cards. But the moment it's not growing at the same rate, I don't want to be the one holding the bag on that stuff. I don't know. They do for a bit, you know, it's like once it gets immediately reprinted, that's definitely when you should scoop it up because, mm-hmm. you know, Snapcaster goes from like a hundred bucks to 40 or whatever. Yep, but it and goes then, back always. Yeah. And then over the course of the next couple of years, it, it slowly climbs back up. But the, the funny thing about all of it is, is that you, you can see this a lot in modern is you take a deck like, I don't know, the, the Gruel Valica Scapeshift deck, mm-hmm. right? Where, okay, Scapeshift is $40. It gets reprinted. Now it's $10, $15, whatever. Something else in the deck usually absorbs the value of that card because Scapeshift is not going to become like a $200 deck, right? That's just not feasible. Everyone would buy in. So yeah. something has to absorb the value. And then it's like, okay, yeah, you reprint Scapeshift, but now Valakut's $40. So you kind of have to deal with that too. And then, these master sets are just balancing those sort of things through probably magic's entire life cycle. That's just how things are going to be. Yeah. And that'll, that'll, like I said, it'll hold fine for as long as the demand is there. It's just scary when it's not. And, you know, as years have gone on, I've tried to move more and more of my collection into higher end stuff, uh, reserve list stuff, because I am concerned about the increasing accelerating pace of reprints and i think there's some vulnerability there and just when you hold as much value as i presently am i think it would be foolish to have it all tied up in modern stuff the exception to that is i try to get you know the the foil versions of stuff and that's a purposeful decision trying to maintain something that is collectible even if there is a bunch of reprints of it the theory is that if you have like the first foil printing that's usually one that holds a premium for a long period of time And I, I went all in, especially during the extended art era, thinking that, you know, these versions in particular might have appeal, but there's so, so many variants that I, I don't even know that I believe that anymore. You know, there's old frames and secret layers and whatever one is, the hotness at the moment seems to push down the price of the other ones in a lot of instances. Uh, like, for instance, one of the first big foil buys I did was stuff that was the box topper stuff. So there was like engineered explosives and uh, cavern of souls is another one I have all that stuff that was still when these full art things were very rare and only, only available in variant printings. And that stuff has actually held really good value, but some of the other weird printings are not doing the same right now. I think it usually depends on how many options for weird printings there are, Hmm. you know? Yeah. So like in the case of like Skyclave Apparition or like ah, maybe that's a bad example, but like, you know, some of the standard cards where it's like, oh, I can get this this full art version. But then there's like all these other different versions. And instead of the full art one just being like, oh, well, if you want like a cool one from the original set, this is the one that you get. This will retain value. It's like, well, there's four different versions and yep. they all kind of like split the value. But yeah, yeah, that has, been, that has been what I've been feeling lately. Yeah. So uh, other other fun stuff as I was looking at prices today and I was I was 
keeping track of some of this, but like some of it went a little bit harder. Uh, Mystic Gate is now a four of in Azoria's control, mm-hmm. mostly thanks to Archmage's Charm, you know, and casting Supreme Verdict alongside that. And it went up to like 25, and like 30. It was like, okay, that's cool. Now it's like 50. Yeah, that's one that I, I think there, there's a real demand, right? But so much of it is based on how few copies of that card exist. And the second you flood the market, I think the demand evaporates very quickly. The exception would probably be first edition foil printings. Those should hold their value basically forever. And if you need Mystic Gates right now, I think that's the one you should buy. I know that sounds crazy. I don't even know what they cost. Well, so the the original Shadowmore ones are 50. I guess the Double Masters ones are 30. Okay. And then uh, Shadowmore foil is 57 somehow. Uh, That's that's a slam dunk. That seems like a slam dunk. There's there's like the Double Masters foil, which is 35. And that's that's kind of what we're dealing with, where it's like the reprint foil version is just it's pretty close to the regular. Yes. But like there's also the Expedition one. And I don't know. This one's only 96. Yes, OG Shadowmore foil seems pretty good if like the normals are going to hold at 50. Yeah, yeah. So I just think it's the one most immune to a reprint and all of this stuff will be reprinted at some point. That's just the thing you have to accept. It's very clear that's the way the policy is going. If cards are in short supply, they'll be reproduced somewhere. They'll be in a commander set or they'll be in the next master set or maybe they return to standard at some point. All those things are on the table and we know that for sure now. And Solitude is, I guess it's not that bad. It's, it's like 40 in real life, but uh, Magic Online is 73. Yeah, Magic Online is having a tough time right now with their economy to the point where you're priced out of most of the top tier with the largest right. borrowing plans available. Yeah, you, know, like you, you have a rental service for $800,000 and it's like, well, you better own like half this deck on your own. That's that's a bad state. And I don't know what you're supposed to do about that if you're either magic managing magic online or playing it. I don't think there's good answers on either side because you have again, the incentives aren't there. There just aren't as many people playing the platform. There's a complete shift in what the economy as it was envisioned, how it now works. Everything's about rental services now, and that has some very, very real repercussions. And economy in video games is so so fascinating to me there's some stuff going on right now in new world which is a new mmo that came out i don't know we're probably like two or three weeks into it but they're facing a severe deflation crisis where there is not enough currency so you you just can't really buy anything and people are looking to barter more because it's so difficult to buy anything it's hilarious to me that this is a real thing that's going to negatively impact and potentially doom this video game, which had a really, really good launch, somewhat well received, I would say, but widely played for sure. But this deflationary crisis is like a big deal because their economy was not appropriately built and Magic Online could be headed to the same place if they're not careful. careful. You tell, you're telling me an MMO built by a billionaire has no concept of an economy? Do you want to know what the funniest thing about it is? I'm sure this has, been said, this has been said elsewhere, I'm Please sure. Tell me. But Please if you tell don't me. know this, this will strike you as very hilarious. I know nothing. One of the reasons why New World has this currency shortage is because as part of ownership of a house in New World, you pay weekly taxes. 
And that's sucking money out of the economy at such a high rate. How funny is it in the Amazon MMO taxes not only have to be paid, but eventually are what is going to doom the success of this game? Oh, <laughs> uh, so there, there are like some reddits that are pretty good where it's it's like, I don't know, self-aware wolves, mm-hmm. I guess, is one where it's just like, you know, people people getting like very, very close to getting the point, you yeah. know, or like understanding what's going on, but just just falling short. And this this seems like one of those things. Yeah. For those who uh, aren't aware, Amazon doesn't pay a lot in taxes, turns out. Yeah. Yep. Uh, good times. <laughs> they're they're just milking the middle class weird you, you couldn't you couldn't have written it any better you really couldn't no. like what a perfect crisis for their game to face yeah that's that's absurd thank you for sharing i appreciate that a lot well, I'm, I'm glad i could bring that joy to your life uh as, as far as like the I, I understand the the magic online economy is messed up but like anytime a card it it Anytime it has like a very big difference in modern compared to the real life version, mm-hmm. assuming there's not some weird like, oh, the real life one was printed to oblivion and the online one is super rare for whatever reason. Yeah. Like those prices eventually come pretty close to in sync, like uh, assuming that the price holds. It's not just like some fad or whatever. Yeah, right. I often look at it as a signal for the paper card. That means the paper card's about to move. And that's that's what I'm getting at. So yeah. like I would I would assume that solitude, I, I think, is just like the card that people are the most hyped to put in their deck in modern at the moment. On site for SCG Con, you will probably be looking at play, paying pretty close to the magic online number versus like the 40 in real life number. So uh, for for folks who are trying to go to this tournament, I mean, I, I realize that maybe a lot of us have not kept up our collections during the pandemic. I don't blame you. I'm certainly there with you. Try to get your stuff beforehand because on site, on site, you're going to be paying a lot, a lot, a lot. And it's not like, oh, everyone's going to be there. I can just go to like all these groups of people that I know they're going to have the stuff. No, they haven't kept up on it either. Yeah, you know? every, everyone's going to be in the same spot and it's going to be a mad scramble, I think. And I would have all my ducks in a row before I walk through the door for sure. I generally approach tournaments that way unless like something has gone wrong and I just couldn't get the card or something changes last minute. I always, always, always try to have my stuff with me. I hate that stressful hunt down the last few cards you need thing before tournaments. I've always hated it. So I, I hate it, but it's kind of fun too. No, not for me. It just stresses me out, puts me in a bad mood before the tournament even starts. So it, I, I do all my prep work ahead of time. And I, I advise you to do the same if you are headed to this event. It stresses me out, but it gets the adrenaline flowing. It wakes me up in the morning. <sighs> you know, you're, you're just looking for that Merc Lurker to finish out your modern deck or whatever. And None of the vendors seem to have it. And, you know, you're having people dig through their their bulk boxes for them or whatever, you know? If the stakes, if the stakes are low enough, it can be a good time. If the stakes are too high, I don't I want no part of it. Yeah. I mean, if I don't find it, I just play Dragon's Claw instead. Whatever. There you go. Right? Perfect. But uh yeah, it's it's kind of fun as long as it's not like, oh, I need four solitudes and four goldspan dragons, otherwise I can't play, then you're probably in for a bad time. Yes. Or you're broke. 
Yeah. Or, you know, maybe you just go home and save some money. You just cancel your hotel and everything's good. Always an option. We know that's one of your favorite plays in all of tournament magic. So. Uh, yeah, I like I like dropping. Normally I'll hang around, though. Mm-hmm. Like canceling hotels. I mean, it's, it's not that easy. It's gotten easier recently. They, they really want to get your money from my experience. Yeah, it, it, because of these circumstances, I think most hotels know that they're not going to get anyone fleece. Like people just won't book hotels if you're not willing to let me out of my uh, pre-existing arrangement. So hotels have been better about that. But uh, yeah, it's still not something great to go through. Anyway, enough about finance and all this crap, right? Let's talk about standard for all of five seconds. Cool. Four decks. Which one do you want to play? Demir Lear. Is that one that, of the four that's decks? That's not one of the four decks. Okay. I'm sorry. I, it, I do love that deck, but it's not one of the four decks. Is it Dragon's Not Close? Okay. Play a Cinder Clasm main, more in the sideboard. Uh, my version caught the divide by zeros because whatever. And playing two divides and, you know, a bunch of lessons is not a great idea. You'd rather have the sideboard slots. I'd rather have the sideboard slots and kind of like the main deck slots too, you know? Just need more actual spot removal, I think, to compete with Mono White. Okay. And for for my take, I'm still playing Mono White. I still win a bunch with the deck. I still think it's very good. I still have plans against everyone. And this format is solved, and it's not even like it's all that rotational. It's just like if you know one of these four decks, you should probably be playing it. If you have more reps with one than all the others, stick with it. And I, I don't think you're making a mistake. Yeah, me too. It's, you know, someone was like, oh, I'm playing mono green. I've practiced a lot. I like my list. I think XYZ about the metagame. I'm like, sure. You know, same thing with mono white. Is it epiphany? And, and dragons too. I just, dragons is like proactive and probably has the most powerful cards. I would say it's, it's, you know, you kind of need them to line up a little bit, but yep. so does, so does mono green, you know, they're playing a bunch of fights and stuff too. So. Yeah. If you were to like ask ceilings of decks, it would certainly be higher on the, is it side than the mono stuff. Like their, their best games are just untouchable. And I think you're right. That dragons does it even better than uh, epiphany can. Although maybe that's not as true given the unexpected windfall stuff. There's games you can just steal very, very early where your opponent's never really in it. Yeah. But they're all fine choices. I, I can't talk you into or out of anything at this point besides not playing one of those decks. Like, please just just don't just don't do it. Yeah, it's uh, I don't know. Just roll a die. I would say flip a coin, but there's like too many options. Yeah. But, you know, it's yeah, it's, it's, it's that, that kind works. Of thing. That also, works. I think that's acceptable. Also, if you don't have dragons and you don't want to spend like 250 bucks, just don't. The entire mono white deck is available for like 100 bucks approximately assuming you can get it and have all the stuff you need and maybe you even get to bring some skyclave apparitions over to modern and be happy about it or maybe even an intrepid adversary i don't know that i can see some play in these older nah. formats you nah. don't think so ever uh i mean it's good with vile but like outside of that if you're playing it in a non-vile deck i would say hell no mostly agree with that but the fact that Vile exists makes me interested in it. I also think as far as like power level for Pioneer, I think it's close. I don't, okay. I don't think you're that far off. Okay. Pioneer was not a thing that I was considering. Come on now. Should it be? Is anyone going to be playing Pioneer? I doubt it. 
I don't know. Format seems okay. As I look at results, like I, I don't really want to talk about it all that much. But yeah, when I look at it, I'm like, yeah, this seems very reasonable to me. And it's, I, it's not bad. It's got, it's got different decks. They're all kind of weird, you know? Yeah. And it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of innovation to be done now that people have like built the good versions of the decks. It's just like metagaming. Mm-hmm. So there's not a whole ton of movement, but it does seem fine. Certainly not any worse than historic. I would agree with that. We'll have to see whether it reclaims some of the popularity it looked like it was getting before things went awry. But I, I think that closes up our standard section. There's just not much else to say. We've done a bunch of shows in a row. I want to spend the bulk of our show uh, talking about nonsense. No, talking about modern, actually. And nonsense? Yeah, we'll, we'll do modern instead. We already did the first, let's see, 20 oh. minutes talking about nonsense. Yeah. So we may, yeah. as, we may as well go to modern at this point. And it's been a while since we checked in with modern. And <laughs> the metagame has changed a lot. It has been a minute. Uh, we had like the first week of MH2 results and is like, oh, Asmore just like crushing all these creature decks and it's super unfair. And then things started to settle from there. And then, you know, a month or two out from that, it's just like, oh, all these decks are like new yeah. <laughs> compared to like the first two weeks. The whole format has flipped over. It's wild. Yeah. So in a nutshell, I think that the format uh Basically, since like the Asmore stuff, like Asmore and the Is It Murktide has been shifting like more and more into becoming like these bigger decks. Like you're seeing a lot of yeah. Omnaths, a lot of Urians, a lot of uh, Solitude with a bunch of card advantage stuff. And that is just the driving force of the format in my mind. I agree with you. It it seems like the size has arrived to modern, and a lot of that is on the back of the elementals, the the pitch elementals. And you know, I don't I don't remember what our top ten was now for modern horizons, but I I don't think we had these cards high enough, which is very silly given that they're free. And my stance on everything: if it's free, it's me. Everyone knows that. I don't remember being disgusted with our Modern Horizons list after we did it, but still, it, it's it's not acceptable that we didn't have enough of this stuff floating around the top of the list. Because yeah. I think we were just in on like maybe only grief at that point. Did I we mean, even mention the other stuff? When when we talked about them, I distinctly remember being like, you know, like these these are good, right? Like each one individually came out at a point, and it's like, okay, I could see it in this deck. I could see this one in this deck, right? And we were certainly wrong about that because there's like way more crossover application than we gave, you know, for example, Solitude credit for. Mm-hmm. And Fury was the one that everyone was down on. And I was like, I think this one's actually good. But I also like couldn't think of a lot of good homes for it, you know. But yeah, now, now well, the whole format sh- flipped over. So you were right. In the old format, there weren't good homes for it. But right. everything changed. So. Yeah. And... I don't know. I think we we're looking at stuff like Ragavan or Channeler or whatever and being like, oh, you know, like these, these are going to spawn new decks, but is, is like Solitude going to spawn a new deck? And the answer is like, yes, five of them. Yes, correct. <laughs> That's um, why it's a billion dollars. Right. So, I don't know. I mean, obviously, when, when Solitude is playable, not just playable, but like actively good, actively the thing that you want to be doing, the format has to be in a certain place. And I think that 
you know, for example, like that the hammer time decks mm. being able to instant speed plus 10 plus 10 some stuff. Like when you're playing in something that very closely resembles infect, then yeah, having the instant speed removal spell is going to be awesome. Instant speed zero mana. Yeah, and th- that's really where the story of this new version of modern starts, I think. The fact that hammer time is serving as the level zero, it's the deck that everyone accounts for. It's it's hard to call anything in modern the best deck because something will be good based on the level of respect it's being given and there's a lot of good options i think 15 good options i don't think that's a stretch i think you can legitimately make a case for 15 different decks in modern and not be making just a spew unlike standard where it's just like these four or else so the fact that hammer time occupies that number one slot is going to drive this free interaction as being very important it prioritizes cheap spells it prioritizes a certain type of removal the fact that often these decks are one big threat i think that's what makes things like solitude like fury that much better because it's not about answering persistent things it's not about answering things that are going to spawn multiple threats it's about just having the thing to turn the corner, having that one answer to get that one more turn where you can finally stabilize. And there's nothing better than a free spell for that. Right. I mean, obviously you need to do some stuff to mitigate the card disadvantage because you can't just be doing that the entire game and not, I don't know, still like still be able to win from there. Right. So Mm -hmm. all of these decks are kind of set up to be able to utilize it to the best degree possible. And that that I think was part of the the thing that I was missing, where it's like, I don't know, are people actually going to play these alongside like Risen Reef? And it's like, hell yeah. Yep. Yeah, made the full switch and getting paid for it. Absolutely. As far as Hammer Time goes, I, I would not play this deck right now, not because I think it's a bad choice, mostly because I think the type of player I expect to arrive at the Invitational I don't think they're coming without a plan for this deck. And that's not to say it can't just play through those plans. It it certainly can if you're well-practiced with Hammer Time. If you have good counter plans to their plans, I believe you can have success. I, however, am not one of the players who has been on this deck since day zero and grinding the matchups. And maybe with a hard focus, I could get myself up to, you know, 80%, 90% capacity. This is a deck that if I was playing it at scg con i would want to be playing it at 100 capacity because i expect my opponents to be aware of what's going on here yeah and i mean you have urza saga to fight through a bunch of interaction which Luris, of course yeah in both of those like kind of help to some degree but a lot of those decks also have you know answers for saga and you know similarly to just hammer time in general and how much people are focusing on it like they're definitely focusing on being able to beat Luris decks in general also. Yep. So the format just has a ton of interaction right now, like whether you're Unholy Heat, Lightning Bolt based or Solitude based, or, uh, you know, you have like the discard aspect sort of things. It's like you have to fight through a ton of interaction with a deck playing Ornithopter, and that's pretty difficult. It can be. It can be. And when you have those games where you're up against it, you're you're going to feel it. This deck will occasionally do nothing and it's pretty painful when it does. And I think all the decks can turn the corner on you very fast at this point. So 
again, it feels like everything I'm saying is very negative about this deck. I don't actually feel that way. I think this is a good choice. I just don't think it's leagues above everything else. I think it's one of many good choices, and all of these factors are bringing it down to the level of basically everything else in the format. I agree with that. And Hammer's existence is also going to do a lot of stuff like probably keep Tron off the table, you know, because Mm -hmm. it is a deck that is very easily capable of doing like turn three goldfishes, which I mean, prior to Hammer Time's release, like Tron, Tron didn't really have to deal with that all that often. You know, there were like some monastery Swiss beer decks that were trying to do that. And that was about it. And Hammer does this like very regularly, very consistently. And as long as like you don't have disruption, you're probably going to lose on turn three or at least be facing down like a board that's going to kill you on turn four. And there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. One of the interesting things, too, is that those decks were often a little bit softer to the ways that Tron would interact. So, you know, Ugin was game over against a, against a bunch of them. Ugin is annoying, but I think you can play through it with Hammer Time. Karn, I think you can beat Karn in a lot of situations. Uh, O-Stone's still good, obviously, but you you sort of need the right pieces with Tron if you're going to slow this deck down, and some of your catch-up mechanisms just aren't that great at doing the job anymore. Even things like Worm Coil Engine are not what they used to be. So Yeah, yep, that's definitely true, too. So Hammer Time, definitely good. If you know the deck and want to play it, that's completely understandable. I get it. Um, that's not me. And I feel like I could have more success playing like more interaction and just trying to fight the format where it's at rather than playing the thing that everyone is first and foremost trying to beat because the, the tools exist. Seconded. Uh, so going, going off of like goldfish and like, you know, they have like the decks listed for the, the most that they show up in like the winner's metagame, I guess is the easiest way to explain it. Yeah. Uh, this is not necessarily indicative of like their actual percentage in the metagame, nor is it where I would necessarily put these decks, but just going from top to bottom, like hammer, hammer is top. Uh, number two is burn, which like, I guess I kind of get, but I also don't where, it seems like it should be really bad against a lot of the Solitude decks, especially if they play like one or two burn sideboard cards. And maybe people just aren't doing that. People aren't respecting it enough. And it's able to like put up some reasonable results, but it's it's still an uphill battle, no matter which way you slice it. That's always the story with burn, though. It's like, how much respect is this deck getting? And I think... Like you said, here's the problem. It doesn't need to get a lot of respect right now because what the format is naturally about lines up well against burn. So you get a little pinch more. And I think all of these decks can turn their matchup to where they're okay against burn if they want to. And I think they should. I think you should be aware of this thing. You talk about solitude. I think so much of burn is predicated on like the goblin guide, the swift spear that survives idol on the great rebel of course all, all these cards if there isn't a creature on the table this deck is so so ordinary and it's increasingly unlikely that it will be able to remain on the table given how good the removal has gotten at this moment but i don't think that's the only issue i think the 
proliferation of Chalice of the Void is another thing that I don't love for these burn decks. And granted, they're they're better at diversifying their costs than they used to be. They're not all one mana spells. There's not a bunch of uh, you know shard volleys and things like that floating around in these lists anymore. But you still got to stick your one drops and not having access to lava spikes, lightning bolts, goblin guides. That is not how I want to play these burn games. If you're just a one one spell per turn deck, you're beatable by almost everyone. And so these cards just being good against the format at large has me off burn. But to be fair, there's not many times where I wouldn't say I'm off burn in modern's history <laughs> and it, it still does very well. So I don't know if you should use my analysis of burn as uh, <laughs> like canary in the coal mine. I guess if I was pro burn, that's probably a really good sign. It's time to pick the deck up, but not feeling it right now. I played burn. In at least one tournament that I can remember. And I want to say that, like, I owned the cards for Burn for a long time and mostly just like loaded out. But mm-hmm. I feel like there was probably another instance of me being like, oh, it's actually good now. But like the, the time that I remember the most vividly is at the Players Championship. Okay. And at that point, it was just like pretty easy to metagame against people, like less so in standard because it's like everyone can have a wide range and that standard was sort of open, but for modern, it was like everyone kind of had their one deck and I was just like, yeah, burn, burn seems like the nuts, like no one can beat it. And I think, I think I maybe had like one or two bad matchups between the 16 players and like very easily three owed. Uh, so, you know, there's a time and a place, right. But also burn hasn't really gotten any new cards in five years. Uh, it's been a minute. Yeah. Like you get, you get a Luris, right. But uh yeah now you have to deal with like omnath and zero mana sources of plowshares and stuff so not doesn't a, sound great it doesn't sound great the metagame is gonna have to be in a really weird spot for me to be like oh yeah it's time to burn again yep passing on burn for the time being so the burn fans will show up and yell at me that's fine y'all always talk yourself into this deck sandy dog come at me i, I know you love <laughs> burn right now that's fine you're gonna do great i'm sure but not for me azorius control uh the, I, the streamers drive the modern metagame so much. They do. Yeah, th- for, I think that's that's one of the big points of change about modern the way it used to be. It was about tournament results. Now it's about the streamers 100%. I mean, the tournament results do matter, but the fact is, is like the people who are streaming modern are also very good and are therefore influencing the tournament results. Well, there's only so many people participating in the tournaments. They're all like 60 person tournaments and there's probably like 20 really good modern streamers. So, OK, yeah. So, I mean, when I was playing, they were a little bit bigger. It was like right. 100 people or something. So, yeah, if, it, if it's only 60, then, yeah, it's just like, all right, there, there's going to be four streamers in top eight or whatever. But yeah, Zori's control normally like a game to see thing, but uh, Waffle Tapa for whatever reason, I don't I don't know him or his life. I just I feel like he's supposed to be like doing bigger and better things than just like grinding modern leagues, but that's what he's doing, and it's it's gas. I love to see it, and he started streaming, so that's cool. And he's streaming in English, and it has been a delight to watch him play this deck and just smash everyone. Yeah, and I I am convinced on this deck, by the way. It's very good. Again, probably doesn't take too much to convince me about Azorius Control, although I spent years naysaying Azorius Control in Modern, for sure. And 
I think correctly so. But the tools you talked about burn not getting anything. Azorius control has gotten so so much. It's really changed the Does way it, it can approach games. It has like supreme verdict from you know four years ago or whatever, yeah. right? And like that's about it. Everything else is new. So you have you have counterspell, Archmage's charm, prismatic ending, which you know better or worse than uh, path to exile in a lot of instances. I mean, I, I think it's better most of the time, right? Against the field, yeah. And it also works with Chalice of the Void, so now you can just be a Chalice deck. Yep. You have Teferi Time Raveler when Cascade decks are very good, and the decks that aren't Cascading are either like one-drop beatdown decks or uh, also have counterspells in them. So Time Raveler is very, very good. You have Solitude with a bunch of card advantage stuff. Shark Typhoon has very low opportunity cost win condition. It's like everything starts looking pretty nice at this point. I, th- I think things have just really come together for this deck and it, it took time. It took the right combination of answers, but you can answer absolutely everything. Now you can play these really long games. You can load up on Castle Vantress and just scry to your heart's content. As many scries as you want, Gerald, they're, they're there for you. Dude, as many you know, scries as you would like to take. You know how many streams I watch where they like play a Vantress and this is not even including the games where it just must ETB tapped. Like, the, those those games happen, and I'm just like, all right, yeah, minus one for Castle Vantress. But I'm like watching these <laughs> these games where it's like they play it untapped. It's basically an island. There are definitely some Blood Moon games where like people get hosed by Blood Moon sure. when they have a Vantress. But it's I'm just like waiting for it's like, are they ever going to activate it? Is there ever going to be a period of time where the game is like somehow at a stalemate and they have nothing better to do with their mana than do it? And it's just like it's so close to zero, man. Given that most of these decks now play large numbers of Memory Deluge, we we can talk about whether that's correct or not for sure. But it seems so, so improbable that you're going to reach a point where you don't just have Memory Deluge in the graveyard and you'd rather spend the five mana for Castle Vantress. Right? Like you're, you're never doing it on turn five. That's just not a real play. Nobody's looking for that. So this is like that same kind of late game play. And because one memory deluge needs, leads to the next one, which leads to the next flashback one, and it just is this real loop kind of that you get yourself into, Castle Vantress is so, so unappealing to me at this point. You could probably talk me into having one with a really low opportunity cost for that one, but I see a list with like three. Forget about it. There's no chance you're talking me into that many Castle Vantress right now. If it's, if it's legitimately a free roll, then sure, like why not play one, but also... I don't know, the, the deck list that I'm looking at has 14 blue sources and three castles, which is going to cause problems. It just is. It's it's weird to have this talk again because it's all the same points that have pushed you against, against Castle Vantress from the beginning, and people just won't listen. So I don't think you're going to convince anyone at this point. Either no. you're on the Castle Vantress hating train or you're you're off it. And I've floated mostly towards the middle. Like I said, you could talk me into a Castle of Antris here, but no way am I going as hard as some of these lists are. You also have Kahira, which seems minuscule because it's like, oh, yeah, you know, do I really need this beater in my blue-white control deck? Well, you get to pay three mana to get a white card for Solitude. Mm-hmm. So you fairly aggressively put the companion in your hand, actually, which also is another thing that ties up your mana. Just so many spots where it it seems completely improbable that Castle Vantress is what you want to be doing. Uh, most of your spells can cantrip in some form. Some go even deeper than that. So yeah, I am I'm off it 100. 
I, I would rather there's I would rather see a white castle than a blue castle. Honestly, I think you could get more out of it with four mystic gates. Sure. I, it just seems like it would have a bigger impact on the game most times. Yeah, I agree with that completely. Anything else about these white decks, these blue white decks that you are off of? I, I mentioned Memory Deluge. You and I talked a little bit about this card in these decks. I, I, I don't think I want to get away from this card, but people are going deep right now. And you mentioned a card that has fallen out of these decks, which maybe is just a good replacement. These, these decks just don't have any cryptic commands. Yeah, that's wild. You have, four, mean, you have four Mystic Gates. You're already trying to cast Archmage's Charm. Your mana's obviously set up to cast it, right? And you've just decided that Cryptic Command is worse than Memory Deluge. I find that very suspect. It's weird because, like I said, that that looping playstyle, I think it's worth a lot. But I don't know that you need to have three copies of Memory Deluge to be able to have access to that. I think two will do just fine. And I think having just a copy of Cryptic Command in your deck can go a very, very long way. And that's because of the combination with so many cards you have, you know, buying back Solitude, if you manage to stick it on the battlefield, it can be a really big game. Just the hard counter draws always come up. And it, it is hard for me to believe that we're just off this card, but we're oh, like, if there's meta games where you could say to me, you just can't play four mana cards. It's not realistic. I go, okay, I, I understand. That's where we're at. But that's clearly not the case here. We're just doing other things at four mana. Right. And it's hard for me to believe that they completely circumvent Cryptic Command. So if you think the games are going to be fast, I would much rather have Cryptic Command. Unless it's like, oh, I need to dig for specifically Teferi or specifically Supreme Verdict or whatever. But like, if the games are being pretty quick, I think you just want Cryptic over Deluge no matter what. And if the games are going long, like there are some matchups, and I honestly think like the Mirror is one of them where Deluge is likely better, right? But in a lot of instances where you're like, oh, the games are going to go long. I want some card advantage. Like Cryptic Command's still good. Yeah, I, I guess there is some problem with. I, I don't know. I don't. I don't know that you're getting the most out of all modes in Cryptic Command in this deck, which is like never really been a concern point for Blue White before, and you're usually pretty willing to play through that. And maybe that's not even true. Maybe with like Shark Typhoon tokens and this Hall of Storm Giants that's in the, the sideboard, maybe it is just more possible to set up end games than I think it is with Cryptic Command. And I, I will tell you that for my money, I will be playing at least one copy of Cryptic Command and probably two copies of Delusion. I like that split, split a little bit better than the way things are split now. I mean, it's it's dismissed with upside, right? And Certainly the deck cares way less about being able to get rid of a random permanent now that they have like prismatic ending and yeah. are able to basically free roll a triome and stuff like that. Like I, I get it. You don't necessarily need the permanent out to like a random enchantment or something. You also have Teferi, Hero of Dominaria. But I don't know. It's, it's just like a turn four play. What would you rather do? Cast Deluge or counter draw? I mean normally you're you're fighting from behind, right? So that's the kind of thing that I'm worried about. And like, if you want to sideboard some stuff for the, the blue-white mirror specifically, and you think that Deluge is the best card, then by all means, you can do that. What about just the raw card quantity argument? Like like you mentioned, with Solitude being part of the deck, you are going to burn through cards a little bit faster. I mean, they're, they're both two-for-ones, right? 
if you're not counting well, the flashback. The, yeah, see, I think you have to. I, I think you really have to at least consider that because just the fact that going long, this card can be worth four cards, that's recouping all of your solitude losses for a game. Anyway. Right, but do you, do you need that against a solitude deck? It depends. I think like, it depends. If you're like, okay, I'm going to solitude you and then counter draw with a cryptic, I think that you're still like in a, you're probably healthy. You're in a good spot, whatever. Do you need to be like flashbacking memory deluge against a deck that you really need solitude against? You know, it's, it's a fair question for sure. I, I, I feel like in, in the matchups where solitude is very good, you often just have excess resources in your hand when the game ends anyway. Like okay. win or lose, you know? Yeah, you've kind of hit that unassailable state as these Azorius decks often do where you just have Teferi going and you're completely resource flush at that point. So, Right. So I I get what they're going for, but I'm also just like, I, I don't feel like this is correct. And if you want to play like one and one and sideboard another Deluge or something, I could see that. I would probably just play like two Cryptics maybe a deluge but probably not and i don't know even even like a shark typhoon you know if you're like really trying to hammer mirrors i feel like that would yeah strong card in the mirror for sure anyway deck is good whatever agreed we are agreed on that point for sure uh cascade rhinos i think that this is one of the most overrated decks in modern but i also feel like people generally don't build their sideboards with it in mind and lose as a result of it. But like, no matter what deck I play, as long as this is part of the metagame, I am going to account for this deck in, you know, some shape or form. And it's usually by playing cards that aren't just good against this archetype, but they have like cross archetype appeal. What in particular is is your go-to? I mean, I, I think Chalice of the Void is the one that we just see everywhere because it's good in so many places right now explosives and, too depending on what your strategy actually is yeah that is very true and i don't know if i mean if you're blue and white you already have like teferi and everything so i i don't know i just feel like people are like oh you made two four fours i lose and it's just like why why did you lose i don't understand how did you build your deck in such a way that you lost to that yeah so i'm gonna respectfully ask that you don't bash this deck while i still have so so many crashing footfalls in my possession i think it's time for me to move them and that's probably going to come next time i'm out and about but until that point love crashing footfalls probably the best card in modern uh, everyone keep playing this price check price check three bucks you're, you're good no i'm i'm foiled i'm all foiled out baby oh. so oh my my mistake my apologies I don't, um, I don't actually know how good that is. I hope more $14. than $3. Dude. Yeah, so I'm, I'm basically rich. You're rich. And I would like it to stay that way. So that's enough naysaying of the rhinoceroses for the time being. No, man, that's that's great. I'm happy for you. Oh, dude, they peaked at like 22. Ah, see, this is what happens when I am trapped in my house like a hermit. I get stuck with rhinos that I don't want and I have far too many of. And there's just been a slow come down since then. Well... You're not helping things by naysaying this deck. I, I do agree with you, though. I, I think it's like so, so mid-rangey and so like unassuming. And it does a bunch of things well, but it just feels like if we had some hard data on what kind of win rates this deck was putting up, 
I don't I don't think it would blow anyone's socks off. I think a if, lot of very good players play it too, so that's another part of the equation. Yeah, I think if you pl- if you had a modern pro tour, this deck would both not do well and people would account for it. And I, obviously those things are like tied hand in yeah, hand, right? Of course. But it, uh, it's just such a mediocre deck and I don't know. It's uh, if I'm gonna like pigeonhole myself into playing Cascade, it better do something busted, not just like make some four fours. You get so little from it, right? It's, yeah, it's almost silly that you've got these violent outbursts in your deck, and payoff is I get four fours. I mean, like that doesn't even seem like an unreasonable modern spell, honestly. If I had three mana instant two four fours, I don't know. That's that's not really beyond the pale versus some of the other stuff we've seen. So right. it's not as good. It's not as good as Hogak. Right? No, of course not. And I mean, that's why Crashing Footfalls got printed. Yeah, I think that's true. Because it's like, oh, if people cascade in this, is it a problem? It's like, lol, no. I mean, <laughs> it, it's it's better than something like Visions, for sure, Ancestral Vision, because it, it is on the battlefield. And I think that is correct for the modern format. Yes, but still, agreed. it's 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 not it's not format breaking by any stretch. Yeah, I mean, if if they had like slightly better cards in the slots of like Season Pyromancer and Prismaric Prismaric Command is good sometimes, but not all the time, you know. And maybe had like better sideboard options or whatever. Or like if if they could just play a longer game, that's also yep. a problem. Is that yep. like you you rhinos once or twice, you kill a thing or two, and you're just like, please let this be good. Yeah, and it often is. So that that's fine. But like you said, I think that is not necessary there's there's plenty of space to account for this in sideboards in the format in general so so uh, i mean for what it's worth i don't know if this necessarily like makes the deck better given how things are um since since a lot of the decks are are going bigger with omnath and now there's like a a urian version that's Mm -hmm. that's like you know maybe risen reeve usually not but like playing counterspell and stuff like that it's like something like that seems like a nightmare for this because you know, you, you make some rhinos and it's just, it's, it's a roadblock, right? It's, yeah. You're just like, yeah, whatever. I got, I got plenty of removal spells. I'll just be here drawing cards, eventually grind you to dust. But like majors built this version a while ago that had like some bring the lights at the top end with like a niv it. And it's mm-hmm. like, that's actually not bad. Yeah. Able and, to go long, good refills. Sure. Yeah. And then if you're doing that, I mean, I, I don't know if this is a thing that you want to do, but you could play Scion of Draco and actually have like a two mana card to play that's not terrible. I think that that would be fine. Maybe not in the same deck or whatever. And then, I don't know, I was also thinking about like, uh, just like having some amount of, you you need something that creates like raw cardboard, but you could also just have like Valakits and, and Dryads in your deck, you know? Okay, yeah. Interesting. Uh, but, but Doomwake, who's like the, the biggest purveyor of this deck has been experimenting with like Urian versions of this deck, with like Omnath and Teferi and Solitude and stuff. And it's just like, okay, why are we cascading? Why are you just playing the good deck? <laughs> Play the good cards instead. Uh, that's a fair question. Yeah. And I have a feeling that's where it will end up. And more and more metagame share gets taken by these decks that just look like piles of these good cards all in conjunction with each other. And I think correctly so. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Jund. Jund slightly different uh, if you have not been paying attention. It is now a Regavan, Dragon's Rage Channeler, and Urza Saga deck. God, do I, I love this deck so much. I, uh, 
I, I really, really want to believe this is what modern is supposed to be. This is the future. And I think it's good. I, I think it's it's a solid deck. I don't love some of the Urza Saga packages I see floating around. I kind of wish they'd tone that down a little bit. And the, the pyrite I, spell bomb. You hate. Yeah, the pyrite. yeah, I, I do, too. I, I don't even love the shadow spear either. I think. No, like, no, no, no. OK, dude, shadow spear is so good with your constructs. If you if you play Saga, I don't care what deck you're playing it in. You play the Shadow Spear. Just always a Shadow Spear. Assuming that like the the metagame actually cares about that sort of stuff, and I think that there are enough decks that do care. So like Shadow Spear against Rhinos, for example, they can't beat it. Okay. Okay. Maybe I'm keeping the Shadow Spear, but regardless, I think this deck is so honed and so like laser focused and just doing the best version of this type of plan that this format has ever seen that the only way it really goes off the rails is when you get these sticky hands with stupid you know two spell bombs in them and things like that can really put you off your plan way too hard and inhibit your clock and inhibit your disruption and you have to put all these pieces together you don't have a lot of time you don't want to go super long you just want to have that little bit of disruption close the game out, have the key removal spell. And that is what like modern is supposed to be. This is this is the version, the fair deck of modern that we have been waiting for all this time. And I love so much about it. And it breaks my heart to say it's probably like tier two. But it is. It's it's just not quite there. And I I wish I could tell you exactly why. I think it's just like everyone else's cards are worth so much more than yours. And that's just top to bottom, right? It's the elementals and it's the it's the crashing footfalls and it's the hammer times. All of this stuff is worth more than a Tarmogoyf or even a, a Ragavan or a Dragon's Rage Channeler. You're just asking your cards to be good on their face. And it's hard to do that in a format like modern, given how far the power has been pushed at this point. Yeah, Dragon's Race Channeler is just like too small ball at this point. That's that's so wild. But I, I agree with you. That is the problem with this deck is it's all just very tiny and you're trying to force through a very small window where these cards can actually matter. Yeah, I, I do think that you kind of need it because you're you're definitely trying to win through damage, you know, and if if you don't have a one drop, then it's going to be so much harder to like actually close the game. And that that's like an extra window where your opponent has access to six mana in their deck full of like card advantage and powerful stuff in a lot of instances. So I do think that decks like this need it, but in order for like Jund to be a Jund deck, I think that first and foremost, like Ren and Six, obviously good, especially with Urza Saga, like that that can grind out a lot of people, but like your Tarmogoyfs have to be relevant. And there's not a lot right now that makes me think that Tarmogoyf is relevant. It's a good way of putting it. What do you think about how the sideboards are built for this deck? Obviously, you're limited somewhat by Luris. You don't have a ton of options, but I also feel like they just kind of throw in a hate card for everyone. They have like just generic hate cards. And granted, Urza Saga like incentivizes some of that. That's why we see a lot of the artifacts pop up and, you know, a Pithy Needle here, a Chalice of the Void there. But I really wish this deck was able to come up with some more coherent, holistic sideboard plans where it was like, okay, I am now this type of deck as opposed to, okay, I'm the same deck, but I also have this random hate card slotted in. This sideboard makes a lot of sense to me, but it's also because I don't really like how the main deck is built. Okay. I don't know if that's a good place to be or not. Well, okay. So 
I I played Grixis for a while, right? Yeah. You remember this? Yes. And I had Dragon Rage Channeler, Ragavan, Snapcaster Mage. But it, it's like very fundamentally similar to this deck because I was like discard spells, unholy heats, whatever yeah. with, with the one drops. And this sideboard looks similar to like how my sideboards looked where it's like you play some chalices, some explosives to cover you against rhinos. You play Alpine Moon for opposing sagas and Tron if that ever comes up. Some some graveyard hate, and then uh, torpor orb started mattering when people started playing all the elementals. Yeah, and then void mirror is just like another fancy chalice or explosives in a, in a lot of instances. And then it's like oh, some extra removal spells or whatever. But the the problem with those decks was like when when you have a bunch of one mana removal, it is it is good against hammer, but you don't have any sort of brick wall against them, and you don't have any way to come from behind. So your best bet against Hammer, I think, is like Tarmogoyf holding the fort against their constructs. And, you know, Tarmogoyf, like you have Ren and Six, you have Artifacts. Uh, it can get pretty big against them yep. for sure. Yep. But given enough time, like the constructs are going to be bigger. So you have like a very limited window where that's actually good against them. And like you don't have K-Command as a two-for-one. You don't have any sort of like sweeper or real big like source of card advantage or whatever. You're just like, I need from like turns one through three, I need all my stuff to line up. Yes. And that that's obviously like really tough, especially if it's like game one in the dark, you don't know what your opponent's playing. Uh, but I think that's what drives me wild about the sideboard is it just doesn't like there's no you can't transition into the two for one deck where that's how you grind them to dust. Like yeah. K, K command being absent is it? probably a pretty big part of it because that card is worth so much. And that was so much of what your Grixis deck was about. You were able to transition to those game plans when you did find um, sort of the best setup for a given matchup, especially in post-board games. I think it was just a very efficient way to go about things. And it actually led to some favored matchups, whereas now I think you're looking for favored draws. And that's never the spot I want to be in. Right. And so this sideboard also has two Terminates. And if you expect, is it Murktide? to be a sizable portion of the metagame, you just can't do that. Like this deck cannot kill a Murktide Regent in game one. Yeah. And it's, it's just, complete, it's unacceptable. Uh, it was more unacceptable before, right? When that deck was like 10% of the metagame or whatever. It's certainly less now, but if you were going to do something like play some Terminates main, there's an Abrupt Decay main. I assume that's meant to handle something specific like Teferi maybe, I don't know, but mm. Terminate could also be a Dreadbore. It's not that big of a deal, but like right. you move some of those main or like some K commands main. And I th I think that things start looking a lot better. Like I, I would be interested in maybe shaving a Ren and six, uh, maybe getting rid of like a pyrite or a Nile spell bomb, getting some more interaction main deck. And then you have sideboard slots to like actually do things rather than just be like, oh yeah, I side in four hate cards against everyone. Yeah, so Ren and Six is the card I like least in this deck, and that's a wild statement to make because I'm I'm very aware of how powerful it is. The long game with Urza Saga, obviously very good, but I, I do think that it is the card that causes the biggest identity crisis for this deck and the one that sort of pulls it towards true mid-range. And true mid-range is a vulnerable spot to be in modern magic. You, you want to flirt with the idea of mid-range and really be more of an adaptable either aggro or control deck. But pure mid-range is a very, very difficult spot to eke out. And I think Ren and Six always pulls you in that direction. So, 
Yeah, Ren, I think, is a card that is maybe overplayed in modern, where I, I can't really think of a deck where I'm just like, yes, I want four. And this is a deck that is going to struggle against any Urian deck. And mm-hmm. Ren plus Saga is probably like your best game plan against them, but it's still just too narrow against the field as a whole to make me want to draw two in any given matchup in the dark, you know? That's my read too. And it, it feels weird to say, given, like I said, how powerful the card that is, but that's that's just the vibe I get. I would probably sideboard the fourth. Yeah, when it's when it's strong, it's strong for sure. And there's there's enough in the format, I think, where this is functioning as an almost removal spell and you're obviously over the moon when that's the case but that that's really the only instance where i'm looking for the max copy of this when i'm able to use it reliably as a control piece as well yeah and it's it's getting harder and harder because people are playing fewer ragavans because it's not very good against the solitude decks and when you play it against hammer it's like oh yeah you get to like start picking off their small creatures for free it's just it's always it's such a mana disadvantage yeah so it's basically only good in the grindy matchups and i mean the mirror matches too for when they exist yeah and maybe you know there's always that arms race to consider right like you just get completely owned by the mirror if you're not the one playing red and six and that doesn't feel good but sometimes it's still correct to lean in that direction if the broader field doesn't warrant this hard focus on red and six yeah uh, next up, is it Murktide? Kind of similar to the Jun deck, where it's it's a Channeler Ragavan deck, but this is just like Counterspells, and Murktide region is its Tarmogoyf. So, do you want Counterspell and Expressive Iteration versus like Discard and Urza Saga? I th- I think here's the problem with Murktide right now is the non Counterspell Counterspells. So things like Spell Pierce, Force of Negation. I think they're at a low right now. I think creatures are actually more important. Some of that is the focus on elementals, to be sure. But they they just don't feel like they're challenging the right things in the format. And that makes me say, well, why am I being pulled towards this as a direction? And I could be doing Jun stuff instead with, you know, more discard for my disruption as opposed to this form of disruption. I, I still think Counterspell is fine. Uh, but this deck, it can it can be awkward. I mean, I, I think there's spots where you really want to get on the battlefield early. And if, if you have the one drop and it survives, then you can play that counter spell backed up game. But if, if it doesn't, it does kind of pinch you a little bit on some key turns. And I'd rather focus on advancing my game plan than playing defensively. So I, I don't know. Again, a, a deck I'd like but I, I just don't think it lines up well with what everyone else is doing at the moment. Also, is playing Murktide Regent instead of having something like Luris, which I, I think is just like a net negative. And there's just like a lot of Teferis too. Teferi being everywhere is a big problem for sure. And also, I mean, you can, you can mention Chalice again, right? Like as Chalice gets more and more popular doing this, everything costs one mana idea, not the best. Yeah, but I mean, the Jun deck is doing that too. It is. Oh, it I, is. I guess that's what the abrupt decay is for. That makes sense. Right? Yeah, it has it has abrupt decay. It also has the the saga game plan it could lean on as well, which this deck does not. Now, granted, I don't think that's bailing you out of those scenarios, but it's not like it's locked out of the vast majority of anything it can do in the spot where yeah. a, a one drop chalice comes down. Yep. 
Uh, and then we we get to these Urian decks, which you know have some solitudes, have some furies, usually some endurances in the sideboard, and it's just like Teferi, Ren and Six. Uh, you see some Ice Fangs, maybe some Wall of Omens, some Eternal Witnesses, just like mono value with Ephemerate and then Prismatic Ending Lightning Bolt for early removal. You have Expressive Iteration, uh, yep. Counterspells if you want them, Abundant Growth uh, just as a, a cycler to blink with Urian, and then your mana base is fine because you have Fetches and two Triumphs. This deck feels like what should eventually spur the return of combo. Like this existing has to be the reason why things go full circle and we get back to a place where you're the, the spell pierces and force negations of the world become good again because this deck is just all about battlefield value and it's not doing anything infinite, although it may as well be, honestly, when it goes completely off, its advantages it accrues are so, so huge that there's not really anything you can do about it. But it does feel like it should be vulnerable to things that are trying to combo on the stack. And more and more of that has been forced out of the format due to the proliferation of things like, you know, free spells, force and negation, certainly a very, very big part of that. But there are various ways to do those strategies, and they just don't exist for the most part in modern right now. And I, I think you see like a bunch of attempts at combo through creature angles, or at least you did. Like there was a point where Selesnia was a very big deal and obviously not the case anymore in large part because of stuff like this that just beats up on those type of things where they're trying to get a critical mass of creatures and they don't really have any staying power. So something else has to be done to challenge these piles of just value, value, value. I think the answer is some kind of stack-based combo, but it hasn't really come to fruition yet. And maybe these just aren't a large enough share of the metagame for that to be the case, but it feels like they should be because they just kind of trump everything in terms of how big they go. Yeah, I mean, so if it's not this, then it's Azorius Control. And if you get away from Control, there's Is It Murktide and then the Jun decks. And then there's like Hammer killing you on turn three. So no matter what sort of combo deck you are, you're either like getting pressured from Fury Solitude, killing your creatures. There's some amount of counter magic or discard in everything, or they're turn three combo killing you. Yeah. So it's like, Man, what what combo deck would actually, you know, be good enough to compete in modern, but also be good enough to fight through that wide diversity of hate? And I, I think that there is probably like some ad nauseum thing that is the best at doing that because, I mean, you, you look at like Waffle Tapa's build of blue eye control, and there's just like not a force of negation anywhere. Like you normally see a couple of fluster storms in the sideboard or something, but basically, yeah. packing negation is very good against those decks in a lot of instances. And like Canister was definitely the person who popularized elementals and then started working on this deck. I don't know if, if he was the first person to, to build it or not, but like he's always had like four force negations in his elemental sideboard. And these decks have some counterspells main and then some fluster storms and force negations in the sideboard. So there's like still some amount of like stack interaction going on too. Some, yeah, I, I think it's on the low side and, Again, I think this is my own bias, but ad nauseum is always the first thing I think of in these moments. And it it does feel like it, there's a window for the deck. Uh, I've said that a bunch of times, though, kind of the inverse of the burn problem, where I often think there's a window for ad nauseum. And then it proves to be a little bit too thin and 
you know, obviously things have changed for ad nauseum as well. Absence of Simeon Spirit Guide is a big deal. But I think the deck is still viable. I also always have a soft spot for just pure storm. And I I know that there's some problems with that setup right now. Yeah, because you're trying to goblin electromancer them and all your stuff just dies anyway. Dies instantly. So you need to find some other way to go about that kind of plan. And there have been various versions of that in the past. I mean, maybe the, the combo deck is more like reanimator. That's what you're supposed to be doing right now. And it's just about finding the right reanimation targets. And a lot of them I have not been all that impressed with. But I think if you find the right package, that could be the way to combo. Is there any way to do hive mind? Has that gotten any better? You can like infernal tutor or not infernal tutor, but whatever the suspend tutor is. It has been a very long time since I even thought about hive mind. I don't have an answer for you. Like but, you, uh, you're, you're down Simeon spirit guide, right? But you have, yeah. you have this tutor that's actually pretty reasonable. It is. And your, your hive mind doesn't get countered by fluster storm, which is decent. It's nice, right? You're not, creature based like before it was always like man i really hope my serum visions can find my hive mind or whatever and now you actually have a tutor for it so I yeah, don't know. you just get to go find it that's yeah, interesting interesting idea you're like pentad prisming and stuff I, I imagine your deck looks very similar to the ad nauseum decks right probably i i also don't think i get to comment on this one because i also have a bunch of foil hive minds so i'm gonna tell people sounds it's good, great it man yeah I don't know. I, I think that is something that could be worth exploring, you know, worth two, three, a couple leagues before throwing it in the garbage. <laughs> before giving up and being disappointed in yeah. yourself. Sure. Sounds like a good time. Yeah. Well, I don't know. That's that's all I got about that. It, it seems tough. It's like, oh, you're you're a pile of like wall of omens, right? My combo deck should be able to beat you. And it's just like, oh, no, they just have like a wall of nonsense. that's actually kind of relevant. So it's, yeah. it's harder than it looks. That is often the problem with combo in these formats. They have they've felt the squeeze over the last few years. I, I think there have been a lot of good tools against them, and they haven't gotten as many tools on the return side. Purposefully so. Yeah. Let's let's skip around actually, because you brought up Reanimator. I want to talk about this. I think that this deck is solid. The the way it looks now is usually like a counterspell, faithful mending, mm-hmm. max archon of cruelty, prismatic ending to fairy, sometimes chalice of the void. And then you have all the persists, two to four unmarked graves, and like some amount of unburial rights. And this is solid, but like you need Archon of Cruelty to be good. Right. And that is that is the sticking point for me with this deck every time, is I think it's occasionally good and often a stone blank. So well, so the thing is, is that it it always draws you a card, right? Yeah. And the deck is set up in such a way with like all the mendings. And if you want to play a second on burial rights, you can, if you want to play some mold drifters for value persists. And like, I want a grand prix with makeshift mannequin mold drifters. So like, I'm, I'm definitely in for that plan. Yeah. Yeah, It's like you, you can keep going a lot of the time. So it doesn't seem that bad against like, Oh, my thing got solituded. You know, I I still think you're coming out ahead in that exchange. I think you can just be run out of things, though. That's the thing I'm worried about when playing this deck, is you can be run out of relevant things against all these decks, which accrue so much more value than you do. Kill them with 1-1 Mold Drifters, man. We can do it, I believe. If that's what we got to do, I, I, you know I'm down for that. But Maybe I, maybe play like some, some Creeping Tar Pits or something, you know? 
That is an idea I could get behind. So just some other way to push out that last bit of damage, because I think you're right, you can generate enough value, but it's just like at some point, I'm not going to have anything to kill you with. Yeah, I could see that, but like the decks are purposefully built that way too. Where they are before you would see like a Terastodon and maybe a Sarah's Emissary and stuff like that. Yeah. Now they're just like, oh, let's just max Archon all the time. But I, I imagine like a Terastodon blowing up, uh, you know, three of the control decks lands. Maybe one has Utopia Sprawl on it or something. It's like that, that seems like a good way to win against that archetype. Yeah, I, I think this is a good point too to mention endurance which is a card that we haven't really talked about mostly because i don't think it has a lot of good homes and it's weird because it theoretically fits everywhere but also a lot of the green decks are like luris decks or their combo decks like amulet or something like that so i don't think you see as many endurances as maybe you should it's in the omnath sideboards a lot of the time omnath sideboards a good place for it sure i i I think like in terms of underappreciated elementals during preview season this has to be at the top of the list because it's just a good card on its own so many times like the three four reach body lining up well against the format for a good period of time was something i think we really slept on and the fact that you just have so much disruption if you need to if you need to focus on reanimator or dredge or anything like that it's going to be so trivial for any of these green base decks to do so yo when when is it murtide was one of the bigger decks yeah. I played Bant Stoneblade in one of the modern challenges. Yeah. With, I think, three endurances made. Uh, love it. I, and I'm sure they were excellent, right? They were pretty solid. Obviously, it's rough because you had a lot of three mana cards, but I, I think I was like one win out of top eight. I don't know if I lost playing for top eight or like the round before it or whatever, but I, I definitely finished exit two. And the, the deck was solid. I liked it. Yeah. And endurance is a card I really like right now. And I, I think it's actually. If I was headed to the Invitational, it would go up in stock going there because I think you're right. Something like Reanimator is sort of poised to be the next big thing. It's how you get combo equity without going onto the stack and being very vulnerable to a bunch of different things that these decks are playing. So maybe you can push yourself one step ahead and just be on the Endurance train and get them that way. And you have a nut draw that you can just like turn three get free wins against some yeah. archetypes, definitely not all of them. Sure. Uh, you have prismatic ending to kill a lot of the graveyard hate that people play against you. Yeah, you can play, good control tools, yeah, for sure. you can play Thoughtseize Counterspell. If people are loading up on graveyard hate, you can certainly sideboard down around it and just be like, okay, I'm a counterspell to fairy deck now. You know? Yep. Yeah, and if that's good enough against whatever they're trying to do and they've softened themselves too much, then you're in a great spot. Again, another reason why I really like Endurance because Endurance still plays in that spot. So Right. Yeah, I, I think that this deck could be very good if people figured out a great way to build it. And when Faithful Mending came out, I think people definitely got on the right track. But I didn't really take it to like the next level. It was like, all right, baseline, like here's the best thing that we can do. But it wasn't ever at the point where it's like, oh, we figured out like these wonderful sideboard plans that really right. work. So. Right. That's that's been the issue. Just like taking that deck like a little bit further. I will definitely be keeping my eye on this archetype to see what develops over the coming weeks and months, because I think you're right. It does have space. I think Moldrifter was a good pickup because it lets you play more of a value game. And Mm -hmm. I think that was another Wafotapa innovation. 
Waffle Top is still changing the game all these years later. Well, mostly just putting like Mole Drifter adjacent cards into every deck. <laughs> Any more card draw. I'm I'm seeing a 5-0 uh, from Kenji Samura that looks pretty interesting. This one is uh, Abzan, Priest of Fell Rites, but with like Seder Wayfinder and Grist and Grizzly Salvage. Okay. So it's like this this is maybe another way to solve it too, is like you just have some different planeswalkers. Yeah. I, I like Grist a lot right now. I, I could see that being an important card. He's doing like grief ephemerate stuff, which I don't know if I really like. That's that's really like oh, I, all my stuff is definitely going to go well. And I don't think that that's going to be the case all the time. Well, if you have a blessed life, you just go with it sometimes. That's what I've found. Uh, what else do we got? So uh, Amulet theoretically exists. Theoretically, it should be good. But uh, Solitude does a lot against it. It doesn't like brick wall you, right? Because you're still getting lands and stuff. Mm-hmm. But it, it is usually like, well, now I get to untap with my Teferi because I was able to Solitude you. And then the game starts slipping away from you. Yeah, so. it can go pretty fast, too, from that point. I'm seeing some more Karnless these days, which I think is just like have more stuff to do for exactly that reason. Yeah, just be more threat dense. I mean, you you brought it up with the Archon of Cruelty stuff, where it's like, yeah, they might just run you out of threats, right? And the yep. same is definitely true with Ambulant. Yep. So I, I do like Karn right now. On the whole, I don't love Amulet at the moment. It, it hurts to say that, but it's just like uh, there's there's decks with more explosive combo potential. One of the things about Amulet is it could just like go longer than anyone else if you got to set up and play your game and don't really feel that way anymore sort of the whole format has gotten bigger and bigger like you mentioned and the combo turns are harder to come by because of the disruption that does exist so i like the current angle but i'm you know i would have amulet titan solidly in the c tier at this point you'd you'd have to be a devotee to be playing it and i often am but i would say i'm more of a devotee when it's in like the b minus tier than i'm than i'm willing but C is a little much for me. So the thing that that I just thought of was if we had Field of the Dead, I would definitely be interested in doing sure. stuff along those lines. And then yeah. I was thinking about like the cards that were banned, like Oko, Uro, and it's like, oh man, these would just solve like all the problems. They right? would. And they would also just make the the four-color Urian format. problems. It, like, it would make the format worse. completely <laughs> different, yeah, and leaning on that stuff. So but, uh, I think we're happy we're not in that world. No, though. I agree. But I was just like, yeah, I mean, if you could do Primeval Titan for, for value and have it matter, yeah. I think that that would be a good plan. And that would make me more willing to try one of the Valakit lists. Like, not like the all-in, like, oh, wish for escape shift crap. You know, yeah. like maybe maybe there's one that's like Renin six and some removal and, you know, you're trying to like maybe kill them on turn five or something. But just like tightening for two Valakids could be good against Omnap decks. Yeah, I I it's so funny to think of like what's banned and what is present, because obviously Modern Horizons just changed everything. And you wonder, like, could field still be a thing in this format? Could it would be great. All those all the cards I listed would be awesome. Yeah, I I don't know. I, it, it's kind of a worthless exercise, but it, it is very funny to contrast like, oh, we're allowed to have all these free spells, but definitely a no-go on Field of the Dead. Maybe it's correct, maybe it's not. Well, yeah, I mean, 
the the free creature removal and to, to some degree like asmore and, and things like that it's just like it just makes creature decks basically unplayable like you're you're playing like ragavan or drc or trying to connect with hammer or like goblin guide but like that's that's kind of about it otherwise your creatures have to draw a card what if they just win you the game, Gerald? Can I can I sell you on a little bit of creature combo? I know I talked about Selesnia and how it has fallen out of favor. Correctly so. Talk, talking about goblins, right? No, I, uh, I am not talking about goblins. I want to talk a little bit about Yogmoth. Because sure, sure, man. I, I want to take a shot at something. It's okay. So I will say it is one of the most underrated decks in modern. I also okay. think I like, I like what you're saying. I also think it's pretty bad. Oh, okay. Well, I, I don't like that anymore. But if continue. I had a tournament tomorrow, I, I would play Yawkmoth, which is a little weird given how much vulnerability creature combo should be facing right now. Things like Fury present, um, you know, Solitude, obviously a huge problem. But I think Yawkmoth has some good stuff going for it. Its ability to play at instant speed via Court of Calling is a very big deal. I think that. It has some natural insulation against some of the threats you would expect to see. Uh, you know, Fury is not as big of a deal when all your stuff has Undying and you can play through that card a little bit better. Obviously, Solitude's still a very real magic card. I'm not trying to discount that. But I think the ability to unlock your deck, play at instant speed, is worth a bunch in a creature combo setup. And I, I'm not just talking about like, collected company hope it's good enough that's obviously never worked for me i want the eldritch evolution court of calling i'm going to get what i need what i want what's important and there's some small pickups too that this deck has made things like prosperous innkeeper i don't think you're supposed to play a bunch of prosperous innkeepers i think having one can matter a lot though i think like opening up infinite life as well as mana acceleration when you uh, don't have the creature remaining on the battlefield. That that's a big deal, and it certainly puts you in a better spot. Do you, you have the treasure? Do you also play the Essence Warden, or uh, I do not. Okay, I only have the Prosperous Innkeeper. Another card I mentioned before, Endurance. I, I think this is a very good Endurance deck because you have your Ignoble Hierarchs, which like turbo out Endurance as a threat in spots where you need to be a threat. Uh, more play at a instant speed level so it's really good against any kind of control deck all those angles are good uh you're heavy green so these sideboard cards like force of vigor that i think are really important you pick up when you're playing yogmoth and even you get a little tricksy and play like a magus of the moon when you have a really big tutoring package and if there are things like you know amulet you're headed to scg con and you know how scg grinders feel about amulet it's always well represented maybe sometimes too well represented so having a little bit of extra protection against that i, I wouldn't mind a magus of the moon to say nothing of just mana bases which have gotten increasingly complicated in in the right scenario getting a magus of the moon at instant speed is very different from just having access to magus of the moon I think. yeah blood moon is so much better though because of fury and, because of fury and for sure but i, no, I agree no debate you. i think no debate i here. think that moon effects are good yeah, so there's a lot of interesting wrinkles that Yawgmoth brings to the table that despite being a creature combo deck, I think it does things I really like. The fact that it's opened up its clock so much with the addition of Ignoble Hierarchs, so you just have good aggro draws now, 
it's doing that dual faceted thing before where I think it was so, so combo reliant previously. It has a little bit more disruption. It has a little bit more just beat down power. And I think the deck's underappreciated. And it's it's what I would choose to play right now for, for better or for worse. It's just because you don't own Solitudes, right? Uh, I don't own Solitudes. That is correct. So <laughs> Okay, so if we're going to be clear about like, oh, I own, you know, Foil Hive Minds or whatever, can't hype up that deck. We also must be clear that you do not own Solitude, so you can't hype up a Solitude. I would also, though, if it was something where I was completely convinced that this was just like, you have to be playing Azorius Control or the Elementos decks, or you're making a mistake, I I would bite the bullet. I would buy them. Uh, Probably Fall Art Foils, if we want to be real specific. Uh, and maybe I will anyway. Maybe like- I'll, I'll just buy them so I have them because I do have uh, Death and Taxes deck, which is completely foiled out. And at some point, I think Solitude's going to end up there. So I may as well take the plunge before it shoots through the roof. So I don't think that's the reason why I'm talking myself into Yawgmoth. I think I actually have a good faith basis for believing in this deck. I like the regular art Solitude better than the, the full art one. Well, like I said, you don't get to make those choices. You have to maximize value. We are living in a society, I, Gerald. Yeah, yeah but I'm not sure. Squeeze out that value. I'm not sure that people are all in on the alternate art elementals. Well, that that's my entire plan. I I don't know what to say about that. I I need them to be okay. Yeah, I mean, Otherwise, that, I'll yeah, be ruined. That's that's fair. You know, whatever. So I, I didn't say anything that swayed you on Yogmoth. You're you're just not about it. I, I think it is generally underrated by the populace, but it, again, it's just one of those decks that I think that I would be a little bit more mindful of, like have ways to kill Yogmoth, for example, terminate main deck, not abrupt decay, you know, no. just like those little things, right? Where you just have like an extra answer or two to the things that the people are doing or, you know, 2% of the metagame is doing. Right. Very small, very small people, specifically me. Uh, yeah. Another card I didn't mention, Grist, I think is important in this metagame. I am happily tutoring that out in a bunch of spots. And again, a little bit of grinding as well. I think Grist allows you to play those long games and control your opponent's battlefield. So I have appreciated all the new angles that the Yawgmoth decks have these days. And, you know, Maybe maybe I'm talking myself into something. Maybe I'm fighting from behind. But there's a lot of positive cards that this deck has for the metagame. I mean, at the very least, you're being proactive. So you can only be so wrong, you know? Right. That's a good way of looking at it. Yeah, I, th- I think that deck's okay if you want to do it. Uh, Mill had had a chance, right? And now everyone's mana costs are, like, super high. And have yep. they have zero mana ways to kill Crab. But they also cost five for Tasha's and... Everyone has an Emrakul in their sideboard, and I, yeah. I think rightfully so. So it's not a great time to be a mill mage. No, I, I think it's like, you know, it's burn. It's it's basically the same deck using a different resource. And all the knocks I had against burn mostly still apply to mill at this moment. Death Shadow, completely embarrassing against Solitude. That is true. Some things about Death Shadow I, I like abstractly. But as long as you are just like, I need this thing to exist on the battlefield or I don't do anything with my deck. Not a good time to play against Solitude for sure. Yeah, I, I would just play different threats. Makes sense. I don't know, going down the list, there's like the Niv-Mizzet decks. Those are just worse Omnath decks because mm-hmm. your spells cost five instead of zero, which, you know, you should probably play the zero mana spells. Good choice. Yeah, zero is less than five. Some amount of ad nauseum. Good to see. 
like it. What about a little Belcher? Belcher took down Modern Challenge this past weekend. Any love for that deck? Uh, I mean, I guess that that fits the parameters of what we're talking about, sort of, right? Like it, 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 it does. It has a thing that doesn't get flusterstormed, which is nice. It means that yep. at least uh, some of your cards are immune to their sideboard counter magic, but like you know, they still have some amount of disruption. So it's. It's kind of awkward, and you're kind of all in on just like drawing the charm belcher itself. You are. Uh, you have some tools to do that. I again really like green sideboard cards in this format. So that the fact that you're like a Veil of Summer deck, and you can uh, also have access to Endurance, Force of Vigor. That's all very appealing to me. I think your uh, transformational quote unquote plan. It's, it's not great, and <laughs> you you are very much all in, but. Uh, you know, this deck getting zero respect, I'm I'm not surprised to see it win a tournament. I think it is very capable of doing such a thing. And if you wanted something really wacky off the wall, maybe that nobody was expecting for SCG Con, I think you could do worse than Belcher. Veil of Summer's busted, if not for everyone playing Fort to Fairies. That is true. That slows it down a bit. Uh, still, we, we've, we have answers to Teferi. We'll just, uh, we'll Fury it, right? Sure. I mean, that, that's fine. What about Move Eldrazi on. Tron? No, I, I'm not even entertaining this conversation. It doesn't seem that bad. Yeah, it's anytime you say that, you then register Eldrazi Tron. You hate your life. I've never for, registered Eldrazi Tron, I don't think. Well, I have. And let me save you the experience. It's not something you're going to enjoy all that much. I, I think that I am just an absolute surgeon with the Eldrazi creature type. So <laughs> I, I believe in you. It's not that I doubt your ability to pilot an Aldrazi. I just think you're working with some inferior tools. Friends don't let friends play matter reshaper. It, it serves a purpose. It's not great, but it serves a purpose. I already see you tumbling down the slippery slope of Aldrazi Tron. You're becoming a matter reshaper defender, which is one of the worst types of people just right up there with the worst villains of our society, Eldrazi Tron defenders. No, I don't actually feel that way. I I don't care. If you like Eldrazi's, go for it. I've played the deck. Uh, it has moments where you feel really good about your deck choice and you feel smart and like you're playing a real game and you've come out of situations that you didn't expect to and it's all well and good. It has, but... it has like 50 cards that are pretty good. I really wanted to get like one new thing that's not awful. You know? What if there was a land that you didn't tap, but also made all of your Eldrazi two mana cheap? That would help, but then I would not play Tron. Ah, uh, okay. Fair enough. But yes, it would help. You're right. Well, maybe one day they'll design something like that. I don't know. It's like you're you're proactive. You have the potential to go big over things like Omnath. And Chalice kind of covers you against the other stuff. I wish Chalice were like a little bit better right now. To, to want to register this, but I, I'm not sure that this deck wants to play against uh, Solitude either. I, I don't think it's in its best interest. It, it doesn't really, but I think the hope is that, like, you know, you, you like play out an Eldrazi, it gets Solitude, and then you're just like, boom, six mana Ugin or whatever, you know, and, and ramp up to then, then you make a 2 2, and then what are they going to do now? No, I mean, you just, you just beat them down, man. You just have this. These big cards. 
I wish you the best of luck. I hope your Eldrazi Tron adventure goes well and uh, it all goes according to plan. I feel like someone's going to top eight with Eldrazi Tron. Okay, called shot. Let's see it. Let's see if it happens. I still, I still wish the deck was like 10 cards better, you know, <laughs> which is a lot. That's a lot of cards. But like, I would just mulligan to four every game. So it's not like I need those bad cards anymore. I just hope I True. Them. Yeah, just, just shuffle them away. No problem. Yeah. You've got this all figured out. Uh, what else? Oh, Grixis. I like Grixis. It's still, you still think it's viable? So it is difficult to want to play a small ball Snapcaster deck in a field where everyone has like Archmage's Charm and Memory Deluge, but I think that you can build it in such a way where you're pretty good against those decks. Can you think of any of the specific specific tools you would use to get to that point? So I would cut the channelers that I was playing before, which granted a lot of people on Magic Online have done already. So you're just like a four Ragavan, four Snapcaster deck. Mm-hmm. And then they were just like, oh, I'll play some random considers or whatever. Don't do that. Uh, just play like the fourth drown and like a counter spell and just be like a little bit meatier against them. And, you know, recognize that like you're going to have to fight through Teferi at some point and make sure that you're able to just like keep their card advantage in check because they can't really stop yours. That is fair. And theirs is more expensive than yours is. Okay. I- I'm seeing the game plan developing. You I... you have to be like very lean and get under them. And basically like if an Omnath or like an expressive iteration or something like that resolves on their side, it's bad for you. It's real bad. Yeah, just just scoop them up. No, I mean, not not like that bad, but it's... Head out to the parking lot, drive home, call it a tournament. Yeah, it's like if you're playing Jeskai Flash and they resolve a Thrykdusk. It's not game over, but it's like, damn, you have to fight through a lot of stuff now, and you're yep. already kind of like at a disadvantage. Fair enough. You know what I mean? So I, I think it's doable. Well, I look forward to seeing a list. I, uh, I'm going to make you do that now, because if I could trick myself into a Grixis pile, you know I'm all about that. No solitudes, baby! Yeah, save a little money, but like I said, it's, it's Yawgmoth's time to shine. Let's go. Ooh, Hall of Storm Giants. Maybe I could do that. Okay. That's, that's also not great against Solitude, but whatever. Uh, dress Down in the sideboard is pretty nice also. Like that card Cause, a lot, cause, sure. Because then you have like uh, another kind of like backup engine with Luris that also stops all their removal and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I was mostly just like more hard, more hard counter spells and uh, a couple dress downs and a torpor orb, and that was going to be my plan. Sold. Game. Good luck.